Welcome to The Truth In His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of uh, speaking with a, um, a, 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 I guess, faculty, educator, artist, all of these things are, are there. Uh, has been this, the, My next guest has been teaching um, with the Open Studies program for over 20 years, primarily in using Adobe Creative Suite software. They're a senior creative guided by data-driven insights to transform information into spirited storytelling across multiple platforms and channels with bold new looks. Please welcome Trish Moore. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So happy to be a part of this. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And it's funny, like hearing the the, the data driven and individualization, like art and data coming together. I do this podcast and in my so I'm talking to artists and creatives and um, people within the cultural sector. But my day job, I'm a data analyst. So I'm particularly oh, cool. interested. There you go. There you go. <laughs> We're all connected. <laughs> yes, it's just, you know. So it's, it's all there. Um, so if you will, I, I gave literally the copy paste word for word uh, introduction. But could you introduce yourself and tell us how you got started in the arts and maybe really describe your, your current work? Sure, sure. Um, so actually, I do a lot of things. But um, my name is Trish Moore and I'm a graphic designer, actually, for the University of Maryland Extension. And specifically, I'm at the Maryland 4-H Center, which is the largest uh probably one of the oldest positive youth development organizations in the country. And what I do for them is all their social media advertising, some curriculum development in terms of the graphics and um, any graphics that they need. So that's where it filters in and where some of the data analysis comes into. um, I work with a lot of tenure track faculty and other kinds of educators and all of their work is based on data. They, they, they survey the heck out of our audiences and try to get the feel for what youth want, what families want here in Maryland. And I take all of that information and try to synthesize that into graphic elements. So um, that's, you know, what I do now. Um, I started out, um, I went to school at Micah um, many years ago. And then right when I was in college, I got, I was real fortunate. It was back in the heavy days of non- uh, technology. Uh, there was a an index card on our career bulletin board, and I got it and went to the payphone and called up for an interview and got a part-time job at what was then called Adler Schwartz Design Studio. And I worked there for 21 years after that. And it was a great first introduction to the whole world of graphics and, and, and doing professional work. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, and I like how you, you peppered in like, like, yeah, you know, I got, got a quarter, got to the, went to the payphone, may have been a dime, whatever, <laughs> went to the payphone, made that call and kind of started things off with that, um, that tenure with uh, the design school, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is I, I didn't have clothes for the interview. I had to take a bus home and borrow clothes from my mom and my sisters. And I had a portfolio, but I didn't have all the clothes, professional clothes that you needed to wear. So I gathered all that together and I got the job. And it was it was such a great mentoring experience. And uh, I learned so much about the world. And, and, and actually, I was trained traditionally. I was not trained with any computers. It was all cut and paste and drawing, you know, magic marker renderings and and chisel point pencil, it was uh, all very hands-on. And I'm very glad that I was trained that way because it really gave me a great foundation of understanding of all processes. And then I was very fortunate that we jumped into the digital world pretty quickly in that whole process when it all switched over. And I was at the forefront. I just happened to be lucky and 
be at the forefront of it all. So I've, I've been blessed. Yeah. Timing is key. And, uh, I've, I've, uh, I've been recently kind of playing and listening and re-listening and listening again to the Austin Cleon book. And, you know, it's the, uh, still like an artist and you hear different quotes from people who are creatives and I like to steal. And, and I remember it was one thing that, um, one of the, the, the references he made in there was of an artist and they were talking about that they don't really like the digital art. It may have been, um, um, maybe in the uh, lead singer from Radiohead don't really like the digital art because it puts a barrier, a glass between them and their work. They need to be very hands on. And Austin's take from it was he has a digital workstation in his office and a like non-digital, like an analog workstation. So being able to dabble in both, I think it gives you a different and more rich uh, perspective. Yeah, it's that. and I, But I also try to see everything as a tool. Mm -hmm. And so as an artist, I feel like we have all these tools. We have both the outside the computer, inside the computer. We also now have statistics and analytics and, you know, so much we're analyzing things, you know, that's not just me analyzing it, but a lot of other people are part of that whole analyzation. And I feel like that whole collaboration, that whole idea of how we communicate, even just you and I doing this right now, like we wouldn't have been doing this at one point, you know, it would have been a different kind of medium, but it was still a medium and sure. we and we would have figured it out, you know, based on that. And so I think each time has its thing. And I, I think it's just the, that evolution that happens. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. So. I, I read and uh, in, in going over, you know, because I, I spend time doing research. I read things. And uh, so human centered design approach. So so tell me about that, because I it that's that's just over my head. So so tell me about that. I, it's, it's I think it's 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 really probably not over your head. It's probably actually the most logical thing that I think we've ever kind of come into as as a artistic world, design world, if you will. It's probably a newer idea in terms of coining that phrase human-centered design, but really good design should do it anyway. But what it does is it starts with always thinking about the end user. The end user is what we're doing all of this for, right? Even, even what you're doing to here today is for your end user. So yeah. how do you make that experience the best it can be for that end user? So you pull in all of those uh, you know, focus groups, those studies, the surveys, all that kind of stuff, and try to get a pulse on what do end users need and want and desire, and a little bit less emphasis. Um, less emphasis on the look and feel of it. I mean, that's a part of it, but it's not the it's not driven by the artist or the designer. It's driven by um, the people that it's used for. So I always like to think of it as audience and purpose. What's the purpose of the piece, and who is the audience for? Okay, yeah, that then yes, that that does make sense, and I think. You know, kind of, I'm always a person that's uh, this, this quote I heard earlier where it's like um, painters don't like using that as an, an artist example. Painters don't um, like, like they don't finish a painting. They just kind of stop painting. And when I'm working on this, I'm always tweaking and always thinking of, all right, so if people are listening to this, what do they want to get out of it? What matters? And I'll try to put in like, you know, like, for instance, the rapid fire questions that you'll, you'll hear later, <laughs> that is, you know, a thing, an, an effort for it, it, making the guest feel more like a person than just, hey, you do this great art or, hey, you have this perspective and that's all I want and then move on. I, I want to add that extra layer to it. So it feels like this is more of a, a conversation with a goal in it of, of talking about the art and the work, but also 
like it's people first, it's people oriented. And how do you build that in? So that comes in taking into account the listeners. A lot of times are people who've been on, they're like, oh, I subscribed right after. And I want to listen to what this artist is doing or what my contemporaries are doing. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's very much that. And it's also, I think also part of it is also building in, um, different variations of what you're doing and try and I think you use the word tweak. I, I try to, I try to think of it as like ideations or iterations of, of, you know, I might think of one thought based on the information and then I might try another thing. And it's kind of just like letting the process flow and not being stuck to one thing and to, to let it evolve. And the one nice thing about this work that you're doing and social media in general is that you can just keep letting it evolve. You know, it doesn't have to be one exact thing like, you know, a printed document might be. However, I do those too. And then how do they play into the world that we live in? You know, and, and some users still need that. And how how does that work with things? So that's how I see it. And it's also, I think the other thing I like about it, it's inclusive. It tries to include all people, not just specific groups of people. And I think in doing that, it's it's really opens your eyes to thinking about somebody that's different than you, has different needs, wants, and desires, and how do you satisfy that with when you're not that person? And I think that's that's what's exciting. That's what keeps it alive for me, anyway. Yeah, it keeps it very interesting. Like I, I like looking for things like, hmm, I don't know about this. Let me learn more about it. Or, hey, how would I approach this in this way? Let's, I I try to play the game of adding degree of difficulty to it sometimes. I think in the back of my head, if I'm doing, um, so I'm at my, my home studios when we're recording via Zoom, but if, if I were in like the studio space, sometimes I'll make sure I forget a certain element that I know I need just to make it more challenging. It's like, I'm going to get this right. I'm going to figure this out. And it That's gives so me cool. <laughs> it gives me a different perspective. And, oh, I can do this with this. and I'm learning something and it keeps it interesting. Yeah, and I think that's the key. And I think all of us, and we want to be more interested. We want to be more engaged. We want to be more excited and challenged. I think challenge is a good word that you use. Yeah. So I, I read uh, that you had an idea of what you wanted to be when you grew up at a very young age. I feel like I saw the number seven. I feel like it was a single digit in there. Yeah. Um, so what would you say some of your strongest like influences were like growing up? And maybe it's a weird question. I was like, I don't know if I had an influence other than this is what I liked. So 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 tell me about that a little bit. Were there any like artists or movies, cartoons? I mean, I'm influenced by cartoons, comics, things of that nature. <laughs> yeah, that probably. Kind of I, I, I think definitely I was influenced by cartoons. But I, I and I thought about the question. I thought really I was influenced by my dad. My dad was an English history teacher. So we had a ton of books around, tons of the classics. They were just all around us. And he, he kind of expected us to read. <laughs> and it's in that reading, he, he gave us this giant, I don't even remember the name of it, but it was a giant poetry book for children. It was orange and with uh, black and white illustrations all throughout. Um, but it was all just children's you know literature kind of thing, but poetry and nursery rhymes and things. And the, my siblings and I would sit around in a big chair and just read them over and over again and, you know, kind of quiz each other. We'd memorize them. We taunt each other with them. But I always remember thinking, what does it look like? If it didn't have an illustration, how would I draw it? What would I think about it? And sometimes I did draw them. And sometimes I did use them later in my art to think about and reflect on, you know, some of our nursery rhymes are kind of, uh, gruesome <laughs> and yeah. like, and like kind of where did that come from and where does that lead? And, and so some of that was that. And then also uh, his father was an artist who he died when I was quite young. But my dad always told me he practiced his craft every day. And that was like his motto. 
he graduated from MICA actually in 1923. Wow. He was um, completely deaf and there were no like special uh, accommodations at that time. So he graduated with a four-year degree, completely deaf, just reading lips and writing, writing notes to people as to how to you know, communicate. And I think my inspiration comes from his work. He did a lot of work for bottle companies and can companies back in the day and did the illustrations for them. But he made a living at his art and he practiced his craft every day. And I thought that was, to me, that was kind of inspiring was to just do it every day and, and to learn a little bit new, something new about it. Um, I think they were probably my biggest influences though. It's big. It's big. Um, it's, it's, you have to do it every day. That's, that's really, it's, that's a true thing where like I, I'm looking at it and I start thinking of, you know, there are administrative stuff like this is this is my practice. Right. So there are administrative things. And I'm like, oh, that's not my favorite part, but I should be doing something, whether it is doing research or writing questions or at least listening to a podcast. If I'm I'm out of practice and if you're not doing it, I think that that's what happens. And I think when you come back in, it's it's one of those things you always have to realize. I know that I do. If I take like three weeks off and I've had times where I've had big gaps between doing anything in this creative space, um, that it, when I come back, it sucks. It's not good <laughs> for like, oh, this is going to be bad for a couple of months or a couple of weeks or what have you. And I think in doing it in, in the way that I have and doing it pretty regularly, like I think next week I have 12 interviews scheduled. Wow. And, you know, and that's kind of what an average week has been. And it almost feels more natural because – you know, so you almost have to look at it like this is a little contrived. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, that we're having this conversation. It's we have questions that are there are certain parameters there. But the things that are exciting about it and very interesting about it and maybe interesting to you is, you know, as the guest, like having the questions already. I'm sure you've a answered these questions hundreds of times, what have you. Mm -hmm. But what's the in-between stuff? What is the banter? What's that next level? Mm -hmm. And I think being able to do it from my position, doing it regularly, it makes me good in the fill-in points. You know, like I can just ask a question. Anybody can do that. But what makes that 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 practice, what makes that approach unique and interesting, that's that's what you get from just doing your practice every day. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it, <laughs> and, and it becomes a part of you. And you don't even realize it. And, you know, I think what's interesting about your questions, what I was struck by your questions was, it does help you think in a different way. Like I, I probably don't think of these some of these specific things in the way that you would ask them, and it's kind of cool. You know, it, it makes you reflect on them in, in a in a newer way, I guess. Oh yeah, just wait until you get to those rapid fire questions. I'm gonna ask you about. <laughs> I'm gonna get political about peanut butter or ice cream or what have you. It's, it's gonna be crazy. So so um so tell me about your 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 time with um open studies and like how was that um and oh I love it I love I love yeah. open studies and and one of the reasons I love open studies is um for me anyway yeah. you you can teach in the whole overall program they teach kids from five to one hundred and five and everybody in between <laughs> and there I I think I'm really attracted to that so I work for the University of Maryland Extension and Extension is. The, uh, the practice of bringing uh, university research-based curriculum to the general public, which is like the same thing, five to 105. Yeah. And I think I'm really excited by that. And, and by that, I mean, at Open Studies, we have uh, young people studios. So for all the young ones, there's all these, there's camps and there's workshops and there's all kinds of things. There's also like, they can get ready if they want to go to art school. There's pre-college programs and stuff. 
But then there's also, they can take classes as an undergraduate and get college credit. They can be a professional and get college credit if they want that undergraduate credit. Or they can go through um, our master's uh, program. There's four of them that they offer. So there's that for professionals. And then there's hobbyists can take classes. We have non-credit classes that are open both to professionals. And and you get a mix in there. You get professionals and you'll get non-professionals. But I've taught doctors and lawyers and um, I, I taught a woman that played the French horn at the Meyerhoff and, and what she was going to do with my class was then to create, um, a program to teach kids in Baltimore city and, and have them love French horn as much as she does. And so what's cool is you're connecting to people that are of all different backgrounds, but I've also taught husband and wife took a class to do it together, to learn together. I've had brothers and sisters. I've had sisters. And it's just interesting who you get um, in the class and the makeups of the class. And there are a variety of people. And as a result of that richness, um, I think the students have a richer experience. It's not just me that brings something. It's all the people in the room that bring something. That's that's really that's really cool, because I think when when it has that that openness and that uh, perspective richness and that richness uh, that it opens it up for more like opportunities, diversity, if you will, just different ways of thinking. And it's like, oh, you know, like, you know, design with the French horn person, like, huh? what, how does that go together? And, <laughs> you know, and then seeing that I'm sure someone, you know, in, in the class is seeing that same thing. And it's like, oh, well, maybe I should, you know, take a little bit more time and be more mindful and dive deeper into design. Maybe I should learn more and maybe see how that applies for me. And I think, you know, people will share that, like, this is for you, this can be for you. So that sounds really cool. Yeah. And I think, I think the most successful students or the ones that get the most out of it, if you will, are the ones that put the most into it. And I think that's true of anything. You know, you know, the more time you spend on something, the better you become, the more proficient, the more you feel confident in it. And but it's exciting to watch the transformations. I had a doctor take a class and he was doing the illustrations for a book on uh, breast cancer. And, you know, he was an oncologist. He knew all the science behind it, but he also wanted to do his own illustrations. So he was taking my class to better his illustrations and to make it camera ready for print. And, you know, he was successful and it, it, it's just really interesting the reasons why people take those classes too. Yeah. And I would imagine feeling like, Hey, I, I did this whole thing. Like it's at a different level of completion. And, um, you know, I've done a little stuff like, I mean, it's not the same as taking a class, but in doing some of the graphics for, for my podcast, like, you know, I had this work, the, the work in the background done for me, but, you know, pretty much that's been my logo and what I've used in terms of a branding standpoint. But anything else that comes out, I do a little graphic stuff here and there using like like Canva. So it's not yeah, you know, something yeah, huge. Yeah. But, that's really cool. But it feels like, oh, no, this is really me. I've done this. And it's not someone interpreting what they think I would want or what might fit my brand. And it feels like, okay, I did this. So mm-hmm. if, it, if it sucks, I, I did something that sucked. Or if it's great, I did something that was great. So that, that, that sounds really cool. Well, the other cool thing, too, is you'll have people that, you know, it, whether it's in my life where they took a classroom where they know I teach and they'll, they'll want to show me their stuff and say, look, look what I've done. Or I have students that have not had me for a while and they'll say, look where I'm at. I've, I've, you know, I've grown since I've had you. And I find that very exciting, you know, just to see the growth in people. Wonderful, wonderful. So let's talk about your artistic style a little bit. Um, like, so how... Like, how would you describe your artistic style and what are some artists or um, more artistic movements that you feel like are reflected in your work? 
Well, it, it's it's funny. That was one of my that was the one of the more interesting questions for me. So I tend to be uh, I try to be, I think, reflective. And by that, I mean, reflective of the other. Like what's who's the audience and purpose? And so mm-hmm. I think I'm a little more trans. Uh, I'm not as much in the forefront. I, at least I try not to be. I probably am, but I'm, I try not to be. And I want it to be more about who it's for. But some of my influencers in terms of art and pure art is uh, Katie Kolowitz is one of my all-time favorite art- artists. And she's a German expressionist who led a lot of the um, social justice uh, movement of the like the, the early 20th century. And uh, you know she was anti-Nazi. They wanted to kick her out. They wanted to throw her in concentration camps. But she was also a wife and a mother. And her work, while it looks nothing like my work, I, I feel her work in me. Like, like I've looked at so many of her images and they're just so beautiful. I, I wish I could be like that. It's um, her work is a little on the dark side because it was a very dark time. Sure. I tried to internalize the dark side and, and flip it and be more positive. So I think we're in dark times now. I think there's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of stuff. And what's interesting is while I don't do the kind of work she does, I have done the kind of work she does, if you will. Yeah. So my latest work, which I have to look at the name of it because I always it's a long title. Um, we just completed a curriculum called uh, True Leaders, Culture, Power and Social uh, and Justice for Youth Development Approach to Social Justice. So let me say it again. True Leaders, Culture, Power and Justice, a Youth Development Approach to Social Justice. And this is a a curriculum based for facilitators to work with youth to talk about those um, difficult conversations and how do you how do you manage these times and, and it gives you a tons of ways to, to work with youth, et cetera. I did the design, but I worked with a team of wonderful uh, writers and educators. Um, Dr. Nia Fields was one of the, the leading educators on that one. And it's, but what we're doing is we're taking that and bringing it out into the field. And so, you know, through this, the, across the country, they're using this to, um, organize kids to figure out how do I take to the streets? How do I help my community grow? How do I change my community? How do I talk about the various dialogues that need to be discussed right now? And so for me, while it looks nothing like Katie Colwitz, it is the essence of Katie Colwitz. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and she was from a different time and a different place, but I really do. I, I embraced her. In terms of design, I think I probably more, I was really influenced by, and I say his name, is, is Massimino Villeni, and he was an Italian designer. He influenced my boss uh, years ago, and, and he kind of turned me on to him. His stuff is clean and simple, and but very functional, sure. and and kind of kind of drives right to the point, I, I feel like, it, uh, throughout the years. And he he did all kinds of designs. Besides graphic design, he like I saw him in a, um, he gave a talk at the BMA, and he had designed his own suit, which my boss used to say, you should be able to design yourself out of a paper bag. You know, like you have to be able to do everything, like not be afraid to design any kind of thing that comes along. And, and really what's so important about that, especially now, is that like I've lived through you know, there was no computers and now there's all computers. And like, how do you, you got to be flexible. You got to be, keep moving and you can't, and it's the core of design that keeps you moving and going. You know, it's, it's not like the, it's not the medium that um, should be the barrier. It should just only be your inability to kind of succeed over the the problem and, and, and get to the solution. Yeah. And I, I think one of those skills that 
I apply and I think that a lot of creatives apply is uh, creative problem solving, figuring out other ways to say, oh, I'm, I'm what, what is it? Uh, I, well, I think it was like, I don't know if it was John Lennon. I forget who, who the person was, but it's like, give me this instrument I've never played. I'm going to get something out of it. And, and and that's important. That's big. And that's it's what huge. I that's what I pride myself on. Like I know how to do all of these different things. And I, I look back um, because I've been, been doing this since 2013, 2009. So for 13 years. Nice. And I, I remember I'm looking at my first um, recording interface. It's right in front of me. And it, it's it still works. But it's like I wouldn't use that now to do this. It's just like I'm way past that. But also if I need to pull that out because my current mixer is having issues, I can do that or I can record to like a handheld device and still have something that feels like really clean, polished audio. Mm -hmm. And I don't let that become the limitation because that's not really what makes quote unquote the magic happen. It's, it's part of it. It's part of the process, but I think it's a, it can be a variable. Yes. 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 And I think once you realize that and once you embrace just all of it, like not and just being open, I think, being open to change, being open to newness, and but also reminiscing on what was and what can work today that didn't work before, kind of thing. And yeah. you know, it's that's what's cool. So how how did how did you and you touched on this a little bit with um, one of the examples with one of the uh, one of the students you were working with, uh, and actually too uh, with the the oncologist and the uh, I believe French horn or yeah French horn. Mm -hmm. uh, how. How does your how does your art connect? How does your work connect to like other subjects? Because like I think that there's a journalistic lens to this, there's a storytelling lens to this, all of that, and it's just you know audio art or what have you. And there's a litany of things that this could go to. And I'm recently learning this. So what other things do you think your work, maybe from the illustration, the the graphic design standpoint, what what other sorts of art does it relate to? What, how does it connect to other subjects? Well, I, so I, I guess I interpret it differently, but so one of the cool things about being a designer is you work for a lot of different people. So through the years I've worked for, you know, chemical companies and um, spice companies and food companies and, you know, cosmetic companies and hospitals and schools and stuff like that. So what you end up having as a designer, like you, the research is like totally understand what, what that institution or what that group is about and trying to wrap your head and study it and, and get, get behind it. And, and when I was younger, you know, you, you're you're kind of, you know, you want to pay your light bill. So you kind of take more than you might want to. But as an older designer, what I've tried to do is be more intentional True. about the, 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 the group. So the, the groups that I'm with now, I, you know, very much believe in their cause and their mission and all that. And so I feel 100 percent you know, guided by that. Um, but as a designer, what's cool is you learn about engineering and you learn about, you know what I mean? So that's, I, I it connects in that way. Yeah. The other way, I guess, is that, <clears throat> I think the other way is that I think I look at things always with the eye of, you know, what is in the non-obvious that give me like a hint of, as to what the solution might be. And sometimes it's a visual thing. Sometimes like you, it might be an audio thing or a sound thing, but um, I'm probably more guided by the visual, but like, they don't always see those things because they're in it in a different perspective, yeah. if you will. But it's as an artist, you kind of can look back and see the whole picture and maybe pull something that they're not seeing. And, and that can be kind of exciting, I think. No, I think, I think yeah, you, you got what I was going for there. So, yeah, thank you. That, that helps a lot. That's great. So I got one last real question and then I got these rapid fire ones. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this because, um, mm -hmm. you know, 
you're 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 a native. You're you're what, Parkville, I think, you know, mm-hmm, out there. Mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. know, at at Micah and you know, Maryland Connections and all of that. So what does it mean to you to be an artist and an arts educator with ties to Baltimore? You know, and I'm and I'm framing that question with how people view Baltimore maybe outside, you know, you, you're, you were touching on earlier um, some of those dark times that we're in and Baltimore's had a interesting uh, it, it's, I think it's going through a rebrand currently, but <laughs> Baltimore has been described as only crime and nothing else. And people don't talk about the arts here and so on. So for you as a person with that, that background, what does it mean for you to be a person within that field and having ties to Baltimore? Well, I think it's an excellent question. And uh, and I t- it's funny because I tell my students I was born in Baltimore, I live in Baltimore, and I will probably pass in Baltimore. And I'm very happy for that. I'm very happy to be in Baltimore. And I, I'm a very big believer in when there's a problem, you don't leave. You you face it. You head, hit it head on. You give it what you can give. And you work with others to build a better whatever that is. And so for Baltimore, I think one as an educator that I think is so important is, and as an art educator is that I'm touching people. And sometimes our people are not necessarily from Maryland or Baltimore. They might be from further away, but I talk about Baltimore in all my classes and I connect it back to either Micah, like the, I love the library there. I talk about the library in every class. You know, there's certain things that I just talk about Baltimore, you know, the tavern I talk about, you know, there's just things I talk about, about Baltimore and, um, and places I've been, places I go. And I've walked most of Baltimore. I've been, I, I, I didn't used to drive. So I had, you know, I had a bus transportation. I walked, so I, I know, Baltimore pretty well. Um, and I and I and I do see the the unfortunate parts, but I work to make things better. So I work with other people who make things better. So one of the things in extension, we have an extension office in Baltimore City, and they're working very hard to create urban gardens, urban um farming, you know, if you will, to bring bring food to food deserts that are, you know, are in Baltimore. And I've worked on some of the graphics for part of that, those things, because I care, because I yeah. want it to be better for all people, not just specific people. And and I think the only way to do that is if we work together. And I think art is one unifying factor, you know, artscape for its goods and its bads. It brings a lot of music, tons of different types of music, all kinds of people gather together to celebrate art and food. There's a lot of food there, um, you know, but, you know, and I've been going to it, not every year, but I've been going to it since the first year. And so like, you know, I'm, I'm vested, I'm vested. <laughs> Thank, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's great. And um, we're on the same page. So so thank you for that. All right. Now, with all of the goodwill that I've established in this conversation, it's been going well. It's time to get to some rapid fire questions and we'll see how you feel afterwards. <laughs> all right. Wait a so minute, I, let, me, let me get a drink first. Yeah, please. Sorry so, about that. No, no, you're good. Uh, so uh, we got to hydrate. Uh, it's, it's, it's steamy right now. So, um, I got some rapid fire questions and pretty much uh, don't overthink them. Just, you know, whatever pops in your head, you got it. All right. Um, What's the best music to listen to when you're working on an illustration or a graphic? So this is very telling of me. So I am. (laughs) So I'm really bad at music in terms of knowing the name of anything. Ask anybody. I don't remember. But what I do, I'm very eclectic. I like pretty much all music as long as it's not noise. Like some music sounds like noise to me. But other than that, I pretty much open minded so much so that I was driving. I I gave up. I taught a class in another college and I had a bunch of students and we took a field trip. They were in D.C. and I took them to Baltimore and in the car, the song came on and I wasn't really listening to the lyrics. I was listening to the music of it and it, 
has some bad words and stuff. And the student said to me, Miss Moore, you, you might want to change the channel. And I said, I said, Oh yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. And so we changed the channel. So that's how much I like, I, but I'm, I'm more about, I think the sound, sometimes I'm about the lyric, but I'm, I'm pretty open. I, I can't, I wouldn't, give it one genre. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. I, usually if I'm like coding or something, if I'm doing something in SQL, I find that my uh, productivity increases if I'm listening to something with no lyrics. So if yes, I'm listening yes, to something- Yes, I agree. Yes, yeah. yes. Like classical music or, yes. or something that's like electronics. Like, oh, I feel like I'm hacking. I feel like I'm a hacker. It's great. Yeah. Well, and, they, and they've done studies to say that, that that music really pumps you up to, yeah. to, you know, to keep it going. Uh, what's one creative tool that you always have to have on you? Like, is it a notepad? Is it a pen and a notepad? What is that creative tool that you always have to have on you that, you know, ideas hit you and you're like, I need to get this down? Yeah, I pretty much always have this. I, you know, I always have a little black book. Um, and, and I always usually tell my students to do it. They don't all do it. A lot of them like to do it, you know, in, in online. But I say there's something different about putting hand to paper than to type it in or to draw it in. It's just really a different product. It works the brain a little bit differently. And I really do believe it makes a difference. It helps me remember more too. Yeah. And I, I think when you're putting it in something like you're typing it in something or something, you're, you're editing as you're doing it. And I'd rather go back to it and edit it. I'd rather have a draft versus a working draft. Yeah. No. Yeah. And you can draw, you can draw a little diagram. I don't know. I like it. Yeah. I, I just, always, I've always done it. So I like it. Uh, in terms of the time of the day, when do you when do you feel like you're doing your best work? When are you at your most optimal? Some people first thing when they get up in the morning. Some people are like, look, I'm at up at two. I'm getting my best stuff out at two in the morning. Let's get it. When do you feel like you're putting out your your best creative stuff, your best creative ideas, or your best work? Good question. Um, I, I would say early, but I can, so you know as you age, you change a little bit. So I get up earlier and earlier now, but. Um, but I, and I've learned, I have gone to, you know, like most artists, I can go 24 seven. Um, and for lots of periods of time, which is not always healthy, but <laughs> I find like I go in waves. So like early in the morning and then, you know, you kind of drift a bit in the afternoon and then I come back up in the evening. And so, um, I, I do a lot in my day. I try to fill my day. <laughs> Great. What was the last movie you watched? Oh, I just watched it on Netflix and I don't watch much TV or Netflix, but somebody told me about it. Um, uh, it was with Tom Hanks and um, uh, DiCaprio. It was uh, catch me if catch, you can. catch me if you can. And I, I was watching old Johnny Carson retakes, and I saw the guy. And I never, I just didn't remember the story, <laughs> and I, I, I missed it when it was out in the theater. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's a good. One. I like that movie a lot, actually. Uh, so I got last two for you. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a person that um, when I was super young, I, I did like a um, I did like a comic or what have you. And I revisited um, it as an adult. It was like something I gave up on and then came back to being involved in comic, but in a different way. I was trying to do everything as a kid. Now I'm doing it as like I'm just writing it and I hire an artist. But I'm always a person that finds myself doodling. If I'm bored, preoccupied, I'm doodling something. What do you find yourself always drawing aside from your work? If you're like, you have a second and you're like, I'm just sitting here drawing this one symbol and I keep drawing it always at the top of mind. What is something that you always find yourself drawing? Turtles, turtles. I, I love turtles. Okay. I'm all about the turtle. <laughs> <laughs> and I work for a turtle. I was a terrapin strong. That's just coincidental, but I, I do love turtles. <laughs> just feel like that was in the interview. Just a turtle there. Like, hey, look, you want this job or not? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I, I just always, I just, I have it all the time. I, and I do a different iterations, different types and, 
And it's not that I like un, like know them, study them. I just care about them. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. I've had two pet turtles. So I, I dig it. <laughs> so lastly, um, and, and and this is one of those things I was kind of touching on earlier. We like to, um, you know, give give something for the uh, the listeners to leave with. Maybe um, not necessarily inspirational, but something to kind of chew on. Um, is there a, a quote about art or creativity that comes to mind for you that you like? You really love, like you really get something out of this quote or um, about art or creativity. I, I just I feel like there's a quote and then I'll just I won't give the quote because I don't remember it exactly. But the, it's, it's the idea of um, never being afraid of the blank canvas, that everything new you start turns into something, you know, whether it's small or big, it's it's, it's the starting point for something new. Well, thank you. That's that's great. That's great. That's, that's, that's something we need to hear. I love that. So. That's it, actually, um, for for today. Thank you for for coming on, and um, I want to invite and encourage you to um, share whatever you want. Something that you feel like we may not have covered in here, um, social media, website, whatever you want to share. The floor is yours. Cool, cool, cool. I appreciate you. Uh, well, so can I can I ask a couple questions now of you? Sure. So 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 listening to you talk, and I listened to some of your podcasts earlier. You know, when I first uh, when they first talked about it. Um, and I was really intrigued by the whole thing. You have a fabulous voice for radio and for podcasting and stuff. And so I, that was my first thought was, oh, my gosh, <laughs> he's got the voice for this. And um, the second thought was, and just, just to throw it out there, and I always do this to people, is uh, would you ever consider doing a workshop or something like that for youth? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Cool. So I might I might hit you up on that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. OK. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, so, and, and is there anything in terms of like um, open studies that you wanted to like cover? Oh, like, yeah. yeah. So we have classes that go year round. So, um, you know, we have summer classes, we have fall classes, we have spring classes. Um, and it's, you know, mica.edu. I mean, I, it's a pretty easy website. And just <laughs> and then just go to open studies. And there's for, want something for everybody, five to 105. I, I like that that range, by the way. It's a pretty, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a small range. It's like you guys, <laughs> you guys only cover three people. What are you saying? It's, no, it's great. It's great. So there you have it, folks. Um, I want to thank again Trish Moore for coming on to the podcast. This is this has been great. It's been a lot of fun. It's highlight of the day for me. Um, so yeah, for uh, Trish Moore of the um, Open Studies at Micah, um, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art community um, in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Oh,